Welcome to the Profitable NDIS Provider Podcast, where we're joined by your hosts, Tanya Gomez and Paul Bryan. In each episode, we'll be sharing valuable insights and tips to help you turn your NDIS business into a profitable venture. So whether you're just starting out or looking to take your business to the next level, you've come to the right place. Let's stop surviving and start thriving. Welcome everybody back to the Profitable NDIS Podcast and uh, I'm here, Paul, obviously, with Tanya, and today we're introducing our friend Bessem from Nightingale Software, um, fantastic software that providers are using to look after their clients, their staff, manage their business, rosters, all that sort of thing. Um, but obviously, you know, having a really clear idea of how you manage your business has to be, uh, you know, really key to how you how you grow, how you keep every all your ducks in a row, you know, how you keep your compliance up to date. Um, I'd love to hear from you, Bessem. Well, uh, introduce yourself. Tell us a bit more about you and, and how you uh, got into this. Good morning, Tanya and Paul. Thank you for having me today. Um, I'm the National Sales Manager here at Nightingale Software. Um, Nightingale Software, as a company, we've been going for over eight years um, but really, we've gone to market since October 2021. Um, so when I say really, we went to market. Previous to that, we had some large not-for-profit clients, um, and we we predominantly looked after them. Um, from October 2021, we've gone to market, and and now we have clients all over Australia, um, and all sorts of organisations of all shapes and sizes. Fantastic, and. Um... Is it is it just a uh, like where where does Nightingale fit in the market? Like what what do you guys primarily do there? Okay, so Nightingale is a community a software platform for all community based services. So that can be the NDIS, aged care, um, mental health, allied health, um, government programs. So you know where people uh, organisations that are working with children. Um, both not-for-profit and for-profit. Yeah, cool. Wonderful. And I I love technology and I love systems. And so I'm really excited to talk to you more about Nightingale. And I know that when I uh, met you the first time, we had a quick look at the system and it looked pretty amazing. Um, How does Nightingale help providers with simplifying workflows and, you know, making their life easier? Great question, Tanya. And there's so many ways Nightingale does that, or not just Nightingale, um, any software platform. Um, so the first thing is centralizing data. So what we find, what I find is sometimes when I meet clients, they may have multiple systems, multiple spreadsheets, um, multiple workflows, um, but they're all on separate systems. So the first thing we do is is centralize the data, um, which which a great thing about centralizing is it gets rid of um, so much time because having so many systems can be time consuming. Um, another thing that a system like Nightingale will do is automate all your tasks. Um, so, you know, you can imagine an incident report, for example. Um, traditionally, that might be a piece of paper. Someone might have a WhatsApp, uh, some organizations have WhatsApp groups to manage them, share drives, um, and it has to go through so many hands. So 
you know, a system like Nightingale can automate, for example, an incident report uh, of a support worker um, or a mentor, someone in the field can fill in the incident report and that automatically goes back to head office and triggers a, a, a heap of work, workflows. Um, it also streamlines communications. So a system like ours, for example, we have an app for the staff, we have an app for the family and all participants. Um, you can message from within the system to to your staff or to your clients. Um, so, um, and also giving real-time insights. So, you know, if, if you're running an organization or 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 you or you want to see how many how many hours your staff have been utilized this week, um, a system like ours can give you real-time access to two things like that. Mm, that's amazing. That's great. Because I know that one of the main hurdles as a business owner myself is really that transparency of data. It's figuring out where are we spending the time? You know, we I work it out usually as like, you know, what's my my cost of acquisition, but then what's my cost of delivery? And then what are my overheads? And I'm looking at the percentage of those all of the time. But if I find it specifically, particularly, sorry, quite difficult to get that information and be able to look at that information easily because there's um, multiple systems that we're using as far as, you know, some information is here, some information is in zero, some information's in our project management tool, click up, um, you know, information is kind of dispersed. So I guess having it all centralized means that you've got that transparency and you can easily then have a look at, okay, our hours are up, but our billing is down so that, you know, then that must be an issue with the billing and not doing that fast enough or getting too many rejections with your claims and, and things like that. Exactly, Tagya. Um, another one could be um, incident reports. You know, you're about to get audited. Ask for your incident reports. You know, where are they? Um, how confident are you that you can, you know, at the at touch of a button, have access to all your yeah. incident reports? Um, but yeah, there's so so many ways that yeah, having everything centralised will help help you run your business more efficiently and focus on the things everyone's here to do, which is um, provide service. Yes. Yeah. And look, I'm an interest auditor by background. So incident reports and complaints of complaints, you know, being able to track incidents as they come in and see that they're closed out in the appropriate way and that you have records around that is really so important, especially if you do have a big casual workforce or you're a SIL provider with multiple staff. Um, really tracking that you're managing those incidents correctly and those complaints correctly. Again, in the NGOs practice standards, there's only a few places that actually say you need things documented. I think it's seven times in you know, hundreds of pages of documents. There's only seven times it says you need things to be documented and complaints and incidents are two of those times. So it is really important that you manage those well and not just the individual instances, but you're able to look at all of them holistically. And that's one of the things that you showed me, Nightingale, when we met was that you can pull those things together um, and have a look at the trends that are happening so that you can meet that criteria as well. So not just individually, but have a look at complaints or incidents over a period of time time to see if there's other things that are happening that are at a higher level that you need to look out for. Yeah, exactly, Tagya. And it helps you um, focus. Is it one client where all the incidents are coming from? Is it a particular group of staff members? Maybe it can highlight some training issues if the incidents are quite similar. Um, so yeah, yeah. obviously protect you as well as an organisation. 
I think you sung Tanya's song as soon as you started talking about, you know, how how it makes it easier to be compliant and, yes. and all those things there. Um, I really sort of, I, I guess I grabbed onto that data centralization because that just seems like it would really, you know, save time and in any business time is money, right? So uh, how could you use, uh, you know, Nightingale or, or a similar software to be able to increase your profit margins in a business? I think probably the biggest, the first one is obviously the time, uh, saving time. Time is money. Yeah. And I can give some real life ex- examples. And we're not talking like massive not-for-profit national organisations with multiple offers. We're talking you know, growing businesses. And I've met clients that have been spending literally days just processing timesheets. Um, and, you know, and, and, and there's no automation to them. So the timesheets are coming in manually, they're entering them, they're working out the award. Um, then they're approving it, then they're manually sending it to their finance system, something like that being automated that can literally cut cut out days and give those organisations that time back to either, you know, develop business, um, focus on their people and culture, um, or, or, or provide more service to their clients. Um, another one is rostering. You know, this morning someone yeah. calls in sick, which happens. You know, COVID's going around um, still. Um, but if someone calls in sick, you know, what is your process? Is it picking up the phone? How do you know that so-and-so has got matching competencies? Um, when you're growing, maybe when you start, you know that Bessem can service that client because he has the competencies required to fulfill their needs. But as you grow bigger, um, you may have a casual pool. Um, in a system like ours, it's a right click and it's called shift bidding. It will broadcast a message to all the staff apps with matching competencies, asking them, are they available to complete that shift? Um, and, you know, there's two examples where I think many organisations yeah. would lose hours. And, we, you know, I'm talking an organisation with 10 staff, um, but as you get bigger, you just keep multiplying that. And I've seen an example with an organisation um, who are our clients now, so they're not using this time, but they literally had four people doing those two jobs. Yeah. Um, so yeah. say those four have gone down to one, maybe, or half, and then the other three and a half people can do other things to grow their business. Yeah, it's really it's it's really around efficiencies, and it's not necessarily to replace staff, but it's to have your staff focus on the most important things, which isn't you know m- managing who's doing what shift. It is really around you know doing important things in their business. So it's it's amazing. I, I love the idea of broadcasting messages. in In the first business yeah. that I had in my twenties, I ran a recruitment agency in the childcare sector, um, and we had respite clients. And sometimes we would have three or 400 staff out on a day. And back then there was no system like this. You know, this is a long, almost 20 years ago. And I used to have a BlackBerry and in my BlackBerry, I had SMS groups for each region in Sydney. And I'd go, okay, you know, this client is in the North Shore. I would send a message to the North Shore group and whoever messaged me back got the shift. But this is kind of like my wildest dreams from 20 years ago to have a system that does all of this automatically. Like I can only imagine how efficient a business would be where you can just go, okay, broadcast yeah. to these people based on these competencies. And, the, you know, the time is saved 
but also the level of skill that people have. You could have a, a cheaper resource doing rostering there and then save your resources in your business to have the best possible people that are doing the support coordination or the case management or the clinical side of things or have a bigger budget to train your staff so that your staff are more capable or you know, invest that in a HR person to really engage with your staff. It's kind of like it really makes you prioritise work and removes this busy work that you know needs to be done but doesn't need to that doesn't need to take a long time then to do and doesn't become a, a large resource in your business. Exactly. Tanya, I can't agree with you more. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 all so pertinent and so relevant. And um the a great thing about being in the busy position I am and, and yourself and Paul, we get to see people that do make those changes and we get to see the difference it makes in a business. Um, not just to their profit margins or their service delivery, but also to their lives. Like they, they're gaining back time and worrying less about stress, um, you know, spending more time with their family, spending more time getting back to their hobbies. Um, I've got one client that hadn't gone for a jog in four years and he's starting to do that now. And that was probably the best bit of feedback I've ever got. Yeah, cool. That's nice. That's really good feedback. And you've you've touched on a few of your client success stories and you spoke about the providers that you work with being all community sector organisations. But is there, you know, in the NGIS space, are there specific providers that you work with and is there any success stories about people who have implemented your systems and have saved time, money, effort, stress, as you said, reduced their stress that you'd like to share with us? Um, yeah, I've, I've got one springs to mind. Um, but I can, I'll talk about a few, but one, which is very close to my heart and I really love this. It's a success story. Um, it was an organization based in Melbourne. Um, they came to us, um, and they were a husband and wife team. They had both been carers. They were, um, trained nurses, um, and they wanted to start their own organization. Now that was, uh, January, 2022, um, they actually got a extended implementation from us because they wanted everything to be built right from day one. Um, and so what they did is they spent a lot of time with our customer success team implementing Nightingale the way they wanted it, um, building a, a, a suite of forms. Um, and so what they did is they went to market with what they thought was a best practice system. Along the journey, they've 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 honed it, they've refined it. Um, but today they're sitting at, I checked it this morning, 147 active users in Nightingale. So that's 147 employees. Wow. Um, and when I spoke to them, probably three, yeah, it was about three months now, caught up with them and I said, explain to me how Nightingale has helped this journey. Um, one thing he said in the very first instance was um, in, the, in, in the beginning, Having the, having the family and participant app was a point of difference within their organisation. So when they were prospecting for new clients and, and, and meeting family members of new clients, um, and he would show them the portal as a family member, as a participant, you can log in, you can see your schedule, you can change your schedule. We send feedback forms so you can give regular feedback. Um, you can see you've got access to your funding. You can see how much funding is being used. Um, you can see where you your family member is versus their goals, all, all in an app. Some people would call it a client portal. We we call it the family and companion app. Um, so that was one great point of difference. Another one was um, their onboarding of staff. 
So whilst Nightingale isn't a HR system, they were able to onboard staff through Nightingale. So they would send a link and the potential staff would literally onboard themselves within Nightingale. They also created a, a custom form, which then would be filled in with all their um with all their competencies, some experience, a little bit about themselves. So that that took out a step as they were growing their business, because imagine they were both working themselves, providing the care initially. Um, so that's a great story where a, a, a couple of a couple of features help gave them a point of difference in the beginning with recruiting and also um, attracting clients. But moving forward, they were talking about um, how how they're so nimble, and they use a feature of Nightingale called Roster Smart. So they rarely um, over over roster overtime. So they're you know unless they really have to pay overtime. But Nightingale's telling them in the first instance at the point of rostering whether this staff qualifies for overtime or not. Um, and so that's keeping them nimble and lean and. Right. and able to service more people that's a great that's a great example um, of a, a business that's grown um, on the other end we've we've had some large organizations that have you know where you know, we took 700 user organizations that have literally gone from eight or nine systems down to Nightingale and a system called power power bi um, and their finance system, of course, you can't get rid of your finance system. Um, but they recently were nominated for an innovation award in our industry. Um, that's how much of a difference it's made to their business and their and and their workflows. Now they won't tell me how much it's increased their bottom line or allowed them to employ new people, but um, it definitely have. It definitely that's has. Yeah, look, that's that's amazing. I, I think that you know seeing people be able to. So let the software do the heavy lifting for them um, and, and seeing how they go from just, you know, I guess you know, some businesses might feel like their organisation is chaos at the moment, but moving to a place where the software is, you know, looking after those tasks and it's it's organising a lot of those day-to-day things which might feel like you're putting out fires all the time. Um, what advice would you give to a provider who's looking to get into their first system? Like maybe they're just sort of getting cracking or, you know, they've been using, you know, Google and OneDrive and and WhatsApp and all those sort of things where they need to get everything centralised. Um, well, my, my advice is be like the organisation I mentioned before. Obviously cash flow is important, um, but find a system that you can grow into rather than a system you're going to grow out of. The biggest challenge we get is um, meeting organisations that have outgrown their system. Um, so all, all that does is they've either gone and attached other systems onto it, which isn't cost effective, and it's also it's also not it's not good time wise as well. Um, and invest in your implementation. So that is the most in, that is the most critical part of purchasing any software is what you do at the implementation stage. So for those of that, so so for those of you that don't know, um, an implementation is basically when you're setting up your software, your new software. Um, that includes data, you know, transferring all the data, your existing data from all the places, setting up your forms, your service agreements, your incident reports, your complaints forms. Um, setting up all that, setting up your finance integration, 
setting up your staff, setting up your rules. Like what happens if a staff member gets to a client and the client cancels the shift? Um, does that automatically get billed? I would say so because they haven't given notice. Setting everything up so everything's automated. The time you invest on your implementation, you will get back tenfold, 20, 30-fold over the years. So do it once, do it properly. Um, but in saying that, I do believe, obviously, when you're starting out, cash flow is an issue. Getting into software is good because getting your staff and yourselves in the habit of using software, keeping everything centralised is very important. It's very hard. Sometimes we have clients that grow to, you know, 100 user organisations, you know, with hundreds of clients and it's spread all over spreadsheets and five or six systems. Now, there's a big change management piece, getting everyone off that onto a new software system. Yeah, no. um, but, yeah, the biggest advice I can give is really invest invest in that implementation as, as much as you can afford because you're investing in, in the future of your organisation. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I've implemented countless systems and I think the implementation is really important, but I think also the change management process that you spoke about, this buy-in, you know, the idea of having uh, a super user or a, you know, a, a user inside the organization that that is leading it and, and buying it outside, for, in, my, in my case, outside of me who has invested the money in it, another person in my team loving the system, advocating for the system so that it's not just, well, Tanya's chosen a system, you have to use it. It is, look how cool this is, look at these features. And one of my staff who's worked in multiple of my businesses for many years, his name's Ron. Um, and he he really is always when I'm rolling out a new system, he's always my choice for system, you know, super user or advocate or whatever you call it, because he gets so excited yeah. by the system that he wants to run training sessions with the staff and he wants to show them this cool bit. And once it's implemented, he doesn't stop then, you you know, stop then. He then like when there's an update, he'll go and research the next update and, you know, share it with pure joy because he really does love seeing their organization implement more software to make their jobs easier and he sees his role as um he's he's a uh, in the business services team um as a digital manager actually and yeah he 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 just makes implementation such a joy. And I've worked with many organizations implementing things. Um, I've worked with a number of government organizations implementing software systems. And it can be really challenging to get that buy-in and get people using it. And if you can't get the end users excited and wanting to use it and get through that painful period of learning it for the first time, learning the navigation, getting into the features, it almost dies. And you know, you've got the senior managers using it and nobody else. Like I've been to to NDRS providers audit to audit and on their computer there's a, a post-it note that says use the system, you know, and you've got people that are like, you have to put the notes in the system. And then it becomes a, you know, chasing them with a stick as opposed to mm. luring them with a carrot, talking about all the ways this is going to make their life easier. And having a, a co-worker do that as opposed to a a manager or a you know authority figure really does change that dynamic and help people engage better with the system. Tanya, there's no more true words spoken today. Everything's been amazing, but it's it's so true. Um, and what I've really loved is we're we're a young industry, 
Um, and so we're all we're all still learning in a way. But I have noticed with demos more recently, a, a, a lot of business owners bringing in their teams and subject matter experts to demos and then making them a part of the implementation. So they are the champion. So your rosterer is, is, you know, your chief rosterer is coming to the demo to ask the rostering questions. Um, the person that handles your payroll and finance is, is answering yeah. those questions. Then when it comes to implementation, they're actually the subject matter expert that is working with the customer success team to, to implement it correctly. But you're so right. We have, um, we've even had people join Nightingale from competitors and we know their systems could do the majority, not as good as Nightingale, but the majority, um, they were just never implemented properly. So there was so much that they thought those systems didn't do. Um, so, yeah, getting the implementation right will save you so much money in the future. You should never have to, if you, if you choose correctly, you should never have to leave a system. Um, yeah. On that, I just want to let everyone know there's no system that will do everything you want it to do. Um, it's almost, it is impossible, but I believe 90, 95% of what you need, or let's just say 90, there are plenty of systems. The other 10%, you're just going to have to deal with it. Like me with a, um, iPhone. It, I love, I'm an Apple person. Um, but yeah, the 10% that I don't like about it, I'm sure Samsung does, but, um, but yeah, I'll stick with it for the 90 that's it. Look, I I loved how you mentioned there, you know, that that you know, finding something that will grow with you because I've definitely spoken to a few providers recently who have had, you know, a system or no system and they've gotten so used to it and now they've got, you know, 20, 30, 40 users and the idea of that change happening and, you know, not having the buy-in because everyone's just used to it and it's extra work and we don't want to have to deal with it. You know, having from the get-go uh, something that is going to grow with you just stops all that downtime. It stops that teething issues of learning something new, and it's just how your team grow. I love that, and I think that uh, a lot of maybe newer providers at the moment listening to this could really take away the idea of that it is going to save you so much in the long run to lean on it for all your bits and pieces uh, that you're doing, like your, your notes and your rostering and that sort of thing. But also it's going to save you so much later on. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think that that's the number one thing with technology is get it right yeah. in the first instance and then yeah. look at, look for the efficiencies. The, the other people that I often see is people continuing to get more systems as opposed to working with the service provider to see if there's custom development that can be done. So, oh, well, we'll just, you know, and I, I do this myself, I must say, we have a bit of a sticky tapes together solution sometimes, but, you know, they'll go, oh, well, with JobForm, I can just integrate that with this, or I can use this API to, to do that as opposed to going, okay, well, all you really want is two extra questions. Let's go and ask the provider if there's custom development that you can pay for to add those two questions as opposed to tacking on another system to do that bit that it doesn't do. Um, and and then also just watching what happens in those releases because I, you know things like Zoom or Calendly or all of these systems that are, are often used, you'll find there's so much overlap between the systems, and then you're paying for things three and four times, but you're never using it as opposed to going right. 
Now, we reevaluate our tax tech stack every year. We spend about $150,000 on tech in my business. Um, and we reevaluate our tech stack every 12 months. And we go, okay, is this serving us? What are the new features in the last 12 months that we don't know about? And what does that mean? So we've always used Calendly and I love Calendly. does great automations afterwards. But now that we've upgraded our, our CRM to HubSpot, um, uh, there's now we don't need to use Calendly because HubSpot Meets does 90% of what we want. Doesn't do 100%, but does 90% of what we want. So we don't need to use that. We use Proposify for our proposals. Now that we've upgraded our, we, you know, it, I think we spend, I'm going to make it up, but let's say we spend $500 a year on Proposify for our proposals, which is automated and looks beautiful. Instead of that, we just needed to pay $100 extra for our HubSpot uh, license per organization to have these special proposals. We didn't use them initially because they didn't look as good. But, you know, going back and going, okay, what now at the 12-month mark can HubSpot do? How do we reduce our tech stack? Because I'm constantly wanting to reduce. I want the systems that do what they do best, but also I don't want there to be too much overlap. And I know that technology changes so fast that if you don't look at it at least every 12 months, you end up paying extortionate amounts. And for me, $150,000 for systems is a lot of money. That could buy me, you know, a couple of new staff members that could do a lot in my marketing budget. But I also know that the systems do a lot of heavy lifting. And without them, my life and my team's life, our skills aren't best suited scheduling meetings or, you know, sending proposals and copying and pasting from documents. So it's it's the investment, but also that review process that I think you need to do really regularly. Tanya, the review process, I couldn't agree with more. Um, technology grows and it evolves. You know, like a software platform like ours, we're forever evolving, you know, as we're a true user group. So if we have a large client come on board and they pay for customizations, our whole user group gets it. Um, but it's hard when you're running an organisation to keep up maybe with all the changes that have come through and then you think that maybe a system like Nightingale doesn't do it, when in actual fact, it's been doing it for six months. You may have missed the communication or just been really busy. And I agree, put in an email, give a call to your software provider. This is what we're thinking of doing. Um, can can we do it within the system? Chances are you're not the first person to have thought about it yeah. because yeah. you know a user group like ours, thousands of users, hundreds of clients, someone else has thought about it and most likely have implemented it um, and so it could just be a matter of rather than paying extra money for another product, it could just be investing some money in training and while you're doing it, learn the new processes and also get a best practice review of the way you're doing things because, um, yeah, everything evolves, especially software, especially our industry too. Yeah, I think I think that's really the key takeaway with working with systems that I I have learned is ask the questions, ask the dumb questions, like don't be afraid. Um, and I worked with a really good piece of software in the RTO space, um, and they used to have a forum that you could go to, and everyone would put their ideas up, and you could go and rate what one you think should be developed, and they'll choose the top five each year to develop, and you could see their rollout plan of when they were doing these things, so you could then make a decision and go, okay. It's in their map for six months' time. Okay, I'll pay for Jotform for six months to do that, but I'm going to put a note to revisit in six months, maybe 12 yeah. months because, you know, it might be in beta or it might not be perfect yet. But just that idea of what you buy today isn't the product. It's not static. You're not buying you're not buying a pen that's always going to be a pen. You're buying something that's living and breathing and changing mm. as we use it. 
and that the adaptability of systems is huge. And, you know, just like the invention or the the adaptation of AI, that's going to change how we do things and that's going to make make it different again. So every time there's something that changes in this web 3.0 that we're living in with this social construct around systems, it really does impact systems, as you said, but it impacts your day-to-day life. So it's that I guess it's the the idea that it's continually improving and you know, like everything in your business is and that you shouldn't just say, well, you know, my like the other thing that I get a lot from from people is, well, my system is broken, so I just need a new system. And it's like, well, it's not the system. You're using 20% of yeah, a system. It's not the system. It's probably the training, the implementation, the adaptation, your understanding of the system, and then how you've set it up. And if you've got all of that wrong, yes, it can't do what you want it to. So let's go back, take a step backwards and have a look at, well, actually, let's go back and set it up from the beginning or let's, you know, set up a new instance and start again or let's redo the workflow so that they make sense because your business has evolved and that no longer works. But it might not be the system. It's just you keeping up, the system keeping up with your workflows and vice versa. And staff together too. Yes. You, some staff may be going on maternity leave, maybe decided to do something different, and p- potentially they were the they were the knowledge base for your organisation. So what you think might not be possible could be. So yeah, I, I love I love software so much. I'll be honest, I'm relatively useless at most uh, you know technology. So I I rely on knowing the software that I have to do the things that I need it to do because I haven't got, for myself, I don't have a team around me. I rely on the software that I use to do a lot of that heavy lifting. And there are so many different um, parts. In When you look at an NDIS provider, there's so many different parts and some of them with, you know, legal ramifications if they're not done right and, you know, all around all your compliance, but also, you know, just making sure you're really taking care of your staff uh, and really taking care of your participants, you can you can measure those things. And uh, this, I really, having looked at software and sort of been through the demo as well, I can see that it makes it so much easier to know exactly what's going on in your business at any given point, and being able to be on top of those things. Uh, you know, any any instance that come up, you're, it's uh, it, it's right across the board. It's documented. All those bits and pieces are covered, and it just makes life so much easier. Um, it's a, it's a great piece of kit. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, I think that's awesome. been, that's been a really great uh, chat today around systems. We've talked about obviously what Nightingale uh, does, but we've also talked about how systems in general can improve your workflows, increase your profit margins. We've had some success stories shared, and we've also given some tips for first-time people when they're implementing their systems. And, you know, as you said, investing in the implementation, getting a champion on board, making sure you're constantly reviewing your tech stack and revisiting that as things change. Um, Was there any other last uh, takeaways that you wanted to, to give us today? Me? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes. Um, no, I think I've covered it all, guys. Just invest the time, your time. Um, I know time is money, but you're going to get the the investment you put in today, you're going to get back tenfold, twentyfold. Yeah. Um, it'll help you run a better organization. It'll help it'll it'll help you sleep with confidence knowing that your compliance are met. Um, 
you know, if something changes, you can be at a restaurant and jump on your phone and you can broadcast that shift out. It'll really give you peace of mind. Wonderful. Um, that is, that's the end of the episode for today. And our next episode that we're doing uh, next week is all around knowing your business culture. Um, and that's Paul and I chatting about all things engaging staff, retaining staff, and um, why business culture is important. So I'm really excited about that episode. And I look forward to uh, speaking to everyone again soon. It's going to be great. Thanks, Saraj. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Profitable NDIS Provider Podcast with Tanya Gomez and Paul Bryan. We hope you found today's episode informative and valuable. If you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to subscribe, leave us a rating, and share it with others who could benefit from our insights. Until next time, keep thriving.